You are now tuned in to the Mind Wanderers podcast, the podcast where we wander and explore the world around us. I'm your host, Timmy, and this is episode 10. 10. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Mind Wanderers podcast, episode 10. Yes, that is right. Mind Wanderers podcast has reached a milestone. Episode 10. So I just want to give a big thank you to anyone who's listened to the podcast and to any new listeners listening to the podcast. I just want to remind everyone you can find or follow the podcast on Instagram at mindwanderers underscore podcast or on Twitter at mind underscore wanderers. I can see that the numbers are slowly creeping up. So as you guys spread out the word, I just want to say a big, big thank you to everyone. Before I start, I think it's needless to say that I'm going to start on a very, very prevalent topic right now, and that is coronavirus. I don't want to be that person who says, oh, we should have been looking out for this a long time ago. I was talking about this ages ago. But I do remember back in episode seven of the Mind Wanderers podcast, which was Does Language Shape the Way We Think? I did make mention to the coronavirus and listening back to that episode now, I took it probably the way everyone else took it very lightly. Ha ha ha. There's a virus in China and everyone's running around getting worried, but it's not really going to come and affect us. And fast forward a couple weeks later, we are now on the verge of national shutdowns, national lockdowns, travel bans, travel restrictions. You've got people who are potentially looking at self-isolating for close to four months in view of the elderly and people with underlying health issues and the world has essentially been flipped on its head in the space of two to three weeks and I just pray and hope that we're all ready for what's about to come none of us really know what's about to happen but let's just hope it doesn't take too much of a toll on us Um, there have been various cancellations in the sporting world Premier League has been suspended. Unfortunately, the manager of my team, Arsenal, managed to contract the virus. And that just reminded me of a very funny Nigerian saying that typically gets said in these situations is like, is it only you? Are you the only person playing? (laughs) And the reason why I say that is just a joke as to the reason why is it, why does it have to be Arsenal that has to be the first Premier League team that had a positive coronavirus test but anyway so premiership has been cancelled or postponed for the foreseeable future and if I was a Liverpool fan for those of you guys that aren't really up to date with football just know Liverpool were basically running a hundred meter race and they were ahead of everyone by at least a good four to five strides and imagine just as they'll get towards the finish line the race gets called off mid-race because of weather or something like that that is how painful it's going to be for Liverpool if they don't get to claim the title this season after waiting nearly 20 years to win that title that alone is that would give me such a big headache if I was a Liverpool fan but I'm not so that doesn't really affect me (laughs) 
But aside from sports, you've also got the economic side of um, the coronavirus. Businesses are going to slow down. The government is already talking about providing assistance to businesses that might face a shortfall in the short term. And I remember listening to LBC and I heard a really interesting story by, uh, I believe he was a contractor. He builds, he, like, he builds out buildings for um, various clients. And he was, he was basically explaining that no matter if you give someone a loan, it's their ability to pay it back that is always going to be the biggest issue. And if you give someone a loan, but the whole economy is on shutdown, they're still not going to sell enough to basically pay off that loan. And so it's still going to provide a problem later down the line. There's a lot of economic issues that we're currently going to be facing with the coronavirus. As maybe some of you guys haven't noticed, but the markets have crashed and it's been the worst week in the markets since 1987. And that is a big deal. It might not seem it as of now, but the reverberations of all of these different events are eventually going to culminate in something that does affect everyone in some shape or form on an individual basis so it's going to be very interesting to see how we all cope with this me myself i have been sent home by my workplace and i'm probably going to be at home for the better part of two weeks or maybe more in the near future and that just leads me to think i'm in a very privileged position that i can work from home then you have the people who can't work from home and how they're going to deal with it and that is just a whole nother barrel of problems that I'm so happy I'm not the person who has to deal with that but with all this being said about coronavirus um, I just want to point out one thing yes the world has gone through various epidemics this old pandemics before this is a new one um, I would advise everyone to take it a lot more seriously than maybe your friends are taking it or what you perceive this to be because this isn't swine flu this isn't a bird flu this is actually something that is going to be have a great impact on the rest of the world for a considerable amount of time so i would just like everyone to if anything take a second just to look out and find out more about um some of the safety precautions they can be taking some of the hygiene um rules that they should be taking upon themselves to follow me myself i'm making sure that i'm keeping my hands in my pockets throughout any journeys i have making sure i wash my hands even when i get to my next destination and if i do feel like i'm gonna come down with anything i am a hundred percent going to stay at home even though staying at home is going to be very tough thinking about just being at home for two weeks but in the name of keeping everyone safe because aside from myself I'm I'm thinking outwardly and I'm thinking to people who have family members who might have underlying health conditions and I have um, family members with underlying health conditions and so I think it's within all of us to take on the responsibility of trying to minimize the spread of the virus and if anything just yeah just look out for one another because that's all you can do i was actually making an argument that in this day and age where everyone's always on the side sometimes like you see in the movies you need a common enemy to bring people together however you can make two arguments in regards to the coronavirus for this because all the countries are closing down their borders which isn't really seen as looking after one another but at the same time there's a global effort for people to come together in order to make sure that 
we can tackle this crisis together. So hopefully we can achieve that. And hopefully all of this is going to be just a very, very weird period that we all had to endure. But the worst of it is over and we can continue as normal. That's the hope. That's where we can get to. I would also love to hear from you guys and see how you guys are dealing with coronavirus and what effects it's had on you and effects you've seen it have on either your local community or in the wider community. And just to see, I'm very interested just to see the effects of something that is truly global and is truly going to affect everyone. It's just an interesting period. My mind tends to wonder, pardon the pun, but my mind tends to wonder to when you do have a western society that isn't used to being on lockdown and being under very strict rules will you get a sense of compassion from people and understanding in order for them to listen or are you going to get a more selfish intention from people in which I need to pay my bills and in order to pay my bills I need to go to work regardless of if I'm ill or not and I don't need to follow the government recommendations and following that that would then lead the government to then take stricter measures which would then result in more social angst against the government and it's just a very endless spiral of distrust and enforcement so i would just really love to find out you guys let me know what you think remember you can get in contact with the podcast at instagram at mindwanderers underscore podcast and on twitter at mind underscore wanderers a guilty pleasure of mine that you guys may not know of is that I really love a good conspiracy theory, whether it be did we really land on the moon in 1966 or if Bigfoot is actually alive or if there is actually something called um, the Loch Ness Monster out there in the sea. I just love something that allows your mind to wander to a what if scenario. So with that in mind, that um, led me to a conspiracy theory that I actually heard about the convert, uh, coronavirus. I don't want to spread disinformation, but sometimes it is a good exercise just to think outside the box. And with this conspiracy theory that I heard in regards to the coronavirus, for those of you that can't remember, um, back last year, Donald Trump and North Korea had a very historic meeting in which Donald Trump went over to North Korea and they settled they sat down and they began plans to tell North Korea or stop North Korea from pursuing nuclear weapons and I don't know if you guys remember the whole rocket man and uh, little hands and stuff like that and someone having a bigger button than the other person it got very silly at one point but anyway the point being is that they agreed for North Korea to stop pursuing um, nuclear weapons and stop pursuing long-range missile technology and off the back of this they didn't actually agree to a deal and towards the end of last year North Korea kept on saying Donald Trump we have a like Christmas present for you and everyone was thinking oh shit what's North Korea got cooking up what are they gonna do and it ended up that they didn't do anything and everyone was just like hmm that was kind of weird North Korea said that they were gonna strike back or they were gonna give Donald Trump a Christmas present and I read a conspiracy theory somewhere that 
basically North Korea is very close with China and China is a very autocratic system and very ruthless at the same time. And someone was basically saying that this is all a ploy between North Korea and China to basically sacrifice some of their people, let this virus get out into the world, knowing that Western society, the UK, the US, Europe, most of mainland Europe won't be able to deal with this. And then off the back of that, China would be like the main provider or if anything in more a dominant position to be the main provider in um, a post-coronavirus world, be it that for resources, be that for medical equipment, be that for just simple trade items, be it if the virus gets a lot worse. And so my conspiracy, the reason I think why I like conspiracy theories is because it allows my mind just to go into spaces where you don't normally think about stuff and your mind just starts to go into, huh, I wonder if, and we see it a lot in all these Netflix documentaries or after the fact stories or things that happen after the fact and we will then watch it now and be like oh my god how could they possibly ever do that and then you realize that maybe there was someone shouting about it back then but it was shouted down as a conspiracy theory so i thought that was a really really interesting way to look at coronavirus through a conspiracy theory lens if you want to call it that but that is my corona conspiracy and that concludes my wonder for the week <laughs> and now we are going to settle on my short but very interesting topic which is on blue zones um, for those of you that have never heard of blue zones before a blue zone is basically somewhere in the world that you are more than likely or 10 times more likely to live to 100 than compared to anywhere else in the world and there are five places in the world that are classed as blue zones and i will touch on those a bit later and why they're classed as blue zones but a question i wanted to give you you guys to think about is do you want to live to be a hundred years or older the reason i ask this question is because there's so many positives and negatives in regards to living a long life and so this is a question that if presented to everyone kind of throws up different answers and these people to come up with different reasons as to why they would or why they wouldn't and I just thought it's a very interesting question with the topic of blue zones because it inherently believes that everyone wants to live up to 100 whereas not everyone wants to live to 100 and there's some reasons for wanting to live to 100 such as better technology could make living to 100 a lot better and doesn't mean you're going to be declining in health however that's with the assumption that technology will go at a rate to make that quality of life that good a second sort of positive is you if you do have grandchildren you do get to see your grandchildren grow up i guess however there's also the flip side of that where you would also see more people pass away because you're living older by default and lastly i i thought this was the most interesting point when i was just having a mind wonder about this topic was a longer life doesn't necessarily equate to a better life and i would love to hear what you guys think about this but i have the example of a tv tv series in my head and sometimes you get some tv series where it like breaking bad for example i don't know if you guys like breaking bad but you get five six seasons and it is a solid story a very well crafted story and you're happy that story happened and then you have shows like 
maybe Game of Thrones that maybe when it stretches on for too long, the story towards the end is very jumbled and could have ended a lot sooner and become a, a, a more complete story. And not to make people's lives sound like stories that we're going to read in a book, but there's something in that analogy that I think we could take into looking at if you want to live to 100 or not. And this then also reminds me of a song by Miguel. And the song is Where's the Fun in Forever? And I thought, just let me play a little bit of it for you guys and see what you guys think of the lyrics. such a good song i would recommend all of you guys to listen to miguel where's the fun in forever in fact listen to that whole album kaleidoscope dream that is one of the better r&b albums of the past 10 to 15 years constantly gets overlooked but i thoroughly suggest for any music lovers out there um miguel kind of kaleidoscope dream that's the album i would recommend okay going back to what i was saying i'm gonna go for a short interlude and then when we come back i'm going to give you guys a view into the world of blue zones or a wonder into the world of blue zones however you guys want to see it be back So what are these blue zones that I'm referring to? Blue zones are areas in the world in which there's evidence to show that people are more likely to live to 100. This is based on a variety of factors which was which came about from the study by a guy called Dan Butener. Butener spelled B-U-E-T-T-N-E-R. This guy had a big fascination with life longevity and back in, I believe it was 2004, let me just double check that. Yes, it was 2004, I was correct. So Dan Butner, alongside uh, demographers, scientists, anthropologists, went to work to find out where in the world are these blue zones, these zones that you're more likely to make it to 100. And through their study, they managed to find five places in the world that basically showed that there's evidence to show you are more likely to live to 100 in these places. So the first place was in California, which is called Lorna Linda. And this was in and amongst an Adventist community in California. The second place was in Costa Rica in an area near the coast called Nicoya. There was the third place in which it was a small island in Italy, Sardinia. Uh, fourth place was another island just off Greece, which is called Icaria. And last but not least, an uh, area in Japan 
or an island off Japan, which is called Okinawa. These five places with evidence show that you're more likely or there's more people in this area consistently living to 100 compared to other places. And I thought this was even interesting in the sense of, oh, with all of this talk about coronavirus and it hitting people who are very elderly, it then has somewhat of a link to this idea of places where you're more likely to live longer. And I would love to see after this coronavirus episode has ended, whether these places were affected proportionally uh, or that if their elderly was affected proportionally to elderly in other countries, that would be a very interesting uh, study to actually see. So how do these five places or these five blue zones, should I say, how do they achieve this goal of consistently getting citizens to live to 100? And through the studies of um, this guy, Dan Butner and the National Geographic, what they established is something called the power nine. And these nine things are the fundamentals when they look through everything in regards to these communities and everything everything they included they distinguish these nine facets of their societal life that they believe gives reason as to why um, people live so long so not to go through a whole list but I'm going to quickly go through a whole list for you guys <laughs> and so to begin the first one they discovered is something called moving naturally this was explained as being active in your daily life without the convenience of machines. So a lot of people in these societies used to do a lot of garden work. A lot of them didn't actually go to gym or uh, do really long marathons or do heavy weights. A lot of them, it was just very natural movements, be it go for walks, tend to your garden, that encouraged a lot of activity within their life. Moving on, there was a saying from people from Okinawa, the Japanese place, and also the Nikoyans from Costa Rica. The, Oka, uh, the people from Okinawa, they called it Iki, Ikiga, <laughs> and the people from Costa Rica called it Plan de Vida, and both those words translate to the phrase, why I wake up in the morning, and what Dan and the team found was there was a sense of purpose a lot of knowing a sense of purpose in the community which actually helped with um, adding to the life expectancy and you can actually I can see this uh, the, a little way I can see this is in my job I do see a lot of older people who by my accounts should be very much tending to the garden or doing something else effectively and not necessarily coming into board meetings and dealing with companies but what I realized later down the line was if you don't have these things after you retire you don't have a reason to wake up in the morning and a lot of people or humans in general just need a purpose to get up and do something and once you lose that I believe this adds to, I guess, the deterioration of someone's well-being and their health. So, yeah, the people from Okinawa called it Ikagi and the people from Nikoya called it Plan de Vida. And it is basically means why I wake up in the morning. So that was a really good one. So purpose is also another reason why these places would thrive. Moving on, there was something called downshift, which they found. And... 
I don't know if this is common knowledge to you guys, but stress leads to a lot of chronic diseases because stress as you get older reduces your the ability for your immune system to fight um, diseases, to fight sickness. And so every day, uh, a lot of people in these five communities will take time to relax that allows them to shed a lot of stress, which is um, be it the people in California, the Adventists, they're a Christian denomination, and no, sorry, a Protestant, a Protestant denomination. And so they pray and that relieves stress. The people from Greece, the people from Icaria, they take naps. And people from Sardinia, they do happy hour. So you can see in all these different, we all do this in our daily lives. We all find little outlets for us to relieve stress, but not necessarily is it a fundamental part of our life. It's something that we do if we're granted the opportunity to do it. So moving on, there is something called the 80% rule. This might not appease a lot of you guys. A lot of you might not like to hear this, but (laughs) it is a 2,500-year sort of mantra by the Okinawan people in Japan. And the way it works is that instead of eating the whole of your meal to your belly is bursting that it seems like I tend to do every night um what they do is that they eat to till when they feel 80% full so they leave a 20% to feel hungry and so they believe the 20% gap that they're not eating is the difference between them gaining weight and them losing weight and as we all know obesity plays a big part in someone's health and if they're going to remain healthy and so this 80% rule which is also known as apologies for these really bad pronunciations I'm not a linguist so please excuse but again Japan called this 80% rule or the people from Okinawa called this 80% rule Harahachibu I don't know if I said that right but Harahachibu so we are now on number five out of the power nine and this fifth one it kind of links up with one of my previous episodes which was on wine if you guys who have just i listened to the mind wanderers podcast i had an episode quite recently which was called in wine we trust and it was just the episode that looked to the history of wine where it came from the influence it's had on society and just had a bit of a wonder around the topic of wine but anyway in this study um, within the power nine what dan Butiner and his colleagues had discovered was that most of the drinkers actually outlived the non-drinkers within these blue zones. So drinking actually had a weird in counterintuitive effect on someone's longevity in their life. And what they realized is that drinking one to two glasses of wine a day was actually quite beneficial for your health system. So for those of you guys looking for a way to drink wine you can refer to these blue zones in which people who live to 100 drink wine so there's no good reason for you not to have a cheeky sip of wine (laughs) but yes do check out that episode in wine we trust that was a very fascinating episode going down through the history of wine so before i go on to these next four 
I just thought to break down the first five once again. So we have the first one, which is to move naturally without machinery. So that means to avoid gyms. You have a purpose to wake up in the morning. You have something to relieve stress, something called a downshift that is going to be very helpful. A lot of people in the Akinawa uh, society follow the 80% rule, which is to only eat to your 80% full, leaving 20% so you don't get fat. And this fifth one that I've just elaborated on, which is basically allowing you to drink wine, but at very, very, very moderate levels. So before I go on to the next four and finish off, I'll just have a short little break. And before I get into number six of the Power Nine, a small fact about myself, I have been notorious throughout my life to both family and friends to be someone who does not eat vegetables. And for a large considerable amount of time in my life, I have been someone who's been very much against vegetables and has not had the best of diets. However, on the flip side, on the good side, I am working on this. And I would say maybe three years ago, I started trying trying various things so now I can have like sweet corn and rocket and a bit of lettuce and this goes very well for the sixth uh, element of the power nine which is the fact that the people in these blue zones do not eat a lot of meat on average they actually only ate maybe meat five times a month and most of the time most of the foods were very much based in plants like beans or uh, soybeans or lentils and it was very much the cornerstone of their diet um, compared to stuff like meats and processed foods moving on to number seven we have Religion, effectively. Religion plays a big part for most of these people who live to be a 100. According to the study, about five of 263 people who were interviewed had some form of faith-based community. And this uh, added, or research shows that this added about four to 14 years of life. So if there's any good reason to get into church, that may be a good reason or to get into some form of religion. And thinking about this, it led me to the idea of what community does for people, what, um, I, I don't know, what being part of something does for someone. It gives them, I guess, the element too, which is purpose. Sometimes some people get out because they know that they have their faith, they have the community that is based through faith. And just knowing that you have people who will look after you, be it through being uh, friends or having the same religion or religious faith, that can be very uh, comforting for a lot of people, which in turn reduces that stress, which in turn leads to a longer life. So all of these things tend to match up. And this then also leads to the eighth part of Power Nine, which is the people who live the longest are actually have something of a very close uh group of friends so most people in the japanese uh in the okinawa part of japan actually had a group of five friends that 
they had been together for most of their life. So when people say ride or die, ride or die can actually mean that they push your death date a bit further down. <laughs> so get you a lot of ride or dies, people who truly um, get you, people who truly love you, people maybe as outside from family, just individuals that you deem as family but aren't necessarily related to you by blood. And these people can help you, I guess, have that sense of belonging and have that sense of community that some people need so um being in the right tribe is what dan uh phrased this as so being in the right tribe was number eight of the power nine and it helps people live a fuller life by having a group of friends around them if that makes sense and last but not least a lot of people in these blue zones actually had a deep affinity to um, their loved ones, making sure that they stayed close to their parents, stayed close to their grandparents, and most of them had a life partner that lasted a very long time. So you get this element of people who live in these blue zones have a very, very close family tie, should I say, and these family ties... Um, shower them with a bit of love and it goes back to the earlier point i was making knowing that you belong to a group knowing that people like people love you offensively can actually make you live longer and this all links in with your mental well-being which can link into your uh, uh physical well-being and that then playing a part in how long you can live as an individual so all in all that is the power nine uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that and I hope you guys can actually implement some of those um, elements into your life and hopefully we can all be living an extra year or two corona willing <laughs> but yeah I found this concept really interesting so blue zones was just areas in the world where they found that people live to 100 longer than everyone else so you can find it on instagram once again at mindwanderers underscore podcast and twitter at mind underscore wanderers follow share listen thank you very much guys episode 10 peace